Natasha Atkins is an award-winning social worker and pioneer of neurotrauma-informed social work, a branch of study that builds awareness of the effects of trauma on the developing brain. In this episode, we nerd out over neuroscience and how she makes her work relatable and fun for children, educators, social workers, and yogis. Soak up all this big brain energy inside the Omi studio. So yes, I, that's a good transition. Neuroscience. Yes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a social worker who likes neuroscience. I always like to ground it um, in that. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I think that is so important. So tell me about your journey, like how you decided, yes, I want to be a social worker and then specialize particularly in neuroscience. Um, so yeah, that was, that's pretty interesting. So yes, I'm a social worker who believes that social workers and educators should have a fundamental understanding of brain development. And I came to that while completing my MSW program and um, taking a few courses that integrated neuroscience research. And so I've made that my focus um, since completing my MSW, where I've completed postgraduate work in neuroscience, social, uh, mental health and education. And from there, developed a practice um, called neurotrauma-informed social work. And that essentially is uh, where practitioners are trained to understand how trauma affects the brain across the lifespan. And so for me, that's critical. That's vital um, for social workers, especially as we're working in today's world. Right. Um, we are so many uh, children and adults are struggling with uh, mental health. And so I take the research and I synthesize it into usable knowledge for social workers and educators. And you know this because you've experienced my workshops mm-hmm. um, uh, and to help them build a neurotrauma-informed um, practice and learning environment, wherever they are, if they're in a school, a community organization, a clinical setting. Right. So it's actually not standard practice for or a standard part of the educational track for social workers to be trained in how trauma impacts the brain. Is that no. what I'm hearing? No, no. Wild. No, no, it's not. And so that's what I, I that's the conclusion I came to as well. There's a, one program I know of, I think, at Boston College and you can get a certificate. Um, in uh, neuroscience, you, so you're completing your MSW you're on the two-year track, and they have about five or six different certification pathways, and one is neuroscience, so which is which um, I believe should be replicated across all um, MSW programs, BSW and MSW programs um, across the country, uh, across the world, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because if we as social workers are charged with diagnosing, um, designing interventions, supporting the mental health needs care for children and adults, we should have some baseline understanding of brain development and how trauma affects brain development across the life. Yeah. And so for me, that's a big thing, right? That's a big thing to hold because neuroscience is such a a vast field. And so, right. And so for me, what I, how I ground myself and what I share with other people is Where's your practice area? My practice area is working with middle school population in particular. And so I focus my lens when I'm looking at research for information that's going to help be helpful for me for that age group, right? And so, because I talked about across the lifespan. So I'm not asking social workers to go out and learn about brain development from birth to 
to your senior years, if you want to, great. That's a lot to take on. But if you know you're working with early childhood education, if you know you're working with middle school, like I have, you know, you're working with teenagers, if you know, you're working in geriatrics, just get a baseline understanding of um, the four loads, you know, what's the structure function of a neuron? What does the latest research say around um, the amygdala um, and trauma for adolescents and or in geriatric care? Take the time to learn it um, because it's going to enhance your practice and it's going to make you a a more, um, it's going to change your lens for the better. I'll say that. Right. You touched on a little bit about so making this information accessible to the masses, because I think to your point, absolutely. I would want our clinical practitioners and our social workers to have this level of information. But then you've also gone a next step to kind of make this more accessible to the masses, to educators, really to anyone that stumbles onto your Project 48 workshop, they'd be able to take this information and apply it to their work, particularly with children. I attended one of the, well, really pretty much the entire, the six-week brain science social series, which was one of your workshops rooted in the Project 48 uh, work that you've done. And I thought it was just so really amazing in the sense of the information that you were able to make really relatable, but then also make it fun with the different interactive activities that we did. And then there was like an art component. So I really enjoyed it. And in fact, I use that research when I'm teaching meditation and how different mindfulness activities impact the brain. I refer back to your Project 48 research. So can you give the listeners kind of like share a Cliff Notes overview of what is Project 48? Sure, sure. Um, and my apologies for not even mentioning it before. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I'm studying my MSW. I'm falling in love with neuroscience and I go after it with full zeal um, after my MSW and created this, pro- this work, Project 48, uh, P-R-O-J-E-K-T. 48. So I spelled it, I changed the spelling because the, the English version is taken. So, but I, I really wanted to call it Project 48. Um, and so what I've done there is um, recognize them to your point, right? When people hear neuroscience, I, there's a cognitive barrier that I think automatically will go up, right? And so what I've done is I, I've synthesized the content um, into usable knowledge, but into relatable and digestible usable knowledge. And so, for example, what does that mean? You know, if you've never interacted with just the fundamentals, you have one brain, you, it's three pounds, it's, you have four lobes, what's a neuron, what's the anatomy of a neuron, what are the functions, right? I've animated all of that content. So it's, again, fun, like you mentioned, digestible and usable for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, the four lobes, one, let's start with the brain. Benny. Come um, on, Benny the brain, my boy. <laughs> I wish this was visual. So that is our, our three pound amazing organ. And so, yes, I call my brain Benny and he has four amazing friends, the four lobes, naturally, Ollie, Perry, um, Taya, and Frankie. So Ollie's occipital lobe, visual um, processing uh, area, Taya, temporal lobe, learning and memory, Perry, uh, sensory integration, periparietal lobe, and the Beyonce of the group, oh, Frankie. <laughs> Frankie, the frontal lobe, right? We all know our frontal lobes responsible for those executive functions that we want our young people to learn. 
And uh, yes, Benny and his four lobes. So I animate the characters. He's also Nick the Neuron, I anim- which you'll meet for, um, in the future, uh, Jewel. Okay. And so <laughs> I've animated all of that. I love it. <laughs> I've animated all of the um, anatomical structures. So it, it's, it becomes easier for you to re- remember what they are, where they're located, and what are their functions. So it's a lot of fun work. It's more than a passion. It, it's it's my purpose, and it's the work I've been doing for the past three years with organizations, um, different CBOs and uh, schools in New York. Um, and in one particular, um, what I've done is I've created a mental health incubator at the school. I, I, I don't I don't even know how else to describe it. Where the young people are screened daily um, with a um, a very short triage screening tool. Um, mm-hmm. So we capture how they're feeling and if they need to um, speak with someone immediately. Mm-hmm. And so from there, during that conversation, the social workers, which, are, which they're trained in, um, in my neurotrauma-informed um, uh, model, they have specific questions that they ask based on how the young people um, feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can address the needs immediately. Um, on top of that, the young people are, are learning naturally about Benny and his four lobes, in particular Frankie. Uh, and they're also learning about Mrs. Limbic, their limbic system, right? And how Mrs. Limbic is working over the next 10 to 15 years to have stronger connections with Frankie so they can have better self-regulation skills, better decision-making skills, um, all of the the key vital components we want our young people to curate those key skills so they're successful both in their learning and in their emotional development. Wow, that, I just talked about a lot. So no, that that is a beautiful overview. Thank you, and I think that is such important work. One thing is you were talking and you were saying how the children get screened um, when they come into school, and that could be an indicator if they need to speak to someone immediately. What was going off in my head, it's like, oh, why do we have police officers in more schools than what we have social workers and nurses? They could be asking our young people these important questions like, how are you feeling today? And then if they tell you something is awry, like they can get help immediately. That's what we need versus more law enforcement in our schools. So I think it is amazing work and I appreciate you giving that overview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. We definitely have more um, law enforcement in schools versus social workers. And so that's a part of the work in terms of advocating for more social workers who are neurotrauma informed, so trained in the model, who are then able to go into schools, implement using the screener, um, the triage questions, and the the neurotrauma content. So all of um, Benny and Frankie's content into the school, training the teachers, the, the young people and their parents to build one language across um, that, in, that integrates brain development. So if you think about, you know, you go to your, your GP, your general physician, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're talking about your, your tummy doesn't feel well or some part of your body doesn't feel well. You're able to articulate, you know, which part pretty okay, right? Because you're, you've interacted with these, this terminology throughout your life. But for the vast uh, majority of us, we haven't interacted with, brain anatomical structures and functions, right? Right. So, you know, how we're working with the young people and the whole entire school community, the young people know about Mrs. Limbic, Amy, the amygdala, Harry, the hippocampus. They know about Frankie. They know when to, how to communicate to their teacher or the social worker. Hey, Frankie doesn't feel too good right now. I need a moment. I need a second to, um, or I need help calming down. 
Um, why I'm so happy we're having this conversation today is because I know you have a very, um, your, your meditation practice, right? That is um, the way you, you help to bring wellness to our communities. Mm-hmm. And so within the practice that we have here, the neurotrauma-informed practice, how the social workers coach teachers and also coach the, teacher, the, the young people to start to build a default practice that integrates, that, that considers how brains develop, right? So we have our sensory, our somatic space, we have our emotional space, and we have our cognitive space, right? If you want to think about brain development in those three phases, right? Mm-hmm. And so we get away from movement for whatever reason. We play a lot when we're young people, but we get away from movement and, 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 and calming our bodies as we get older. Um, and so our social workers, they're, they ask, they're, they're trained to first ask the young person, um, how can you change your mindset about the situation that you're in right now? And even if, and if they're not able to articulate that, because when we think about when we're frustrated, our, our language center isn't, may may not be as active, right? Because we're frustrated, we're we're upset about something. And Mm -hmm. so then we, we equally coach our young people and we ask our teachers to to use this intervention as well if they're interacting with a young person who's having a, an issue or they're upset about something taking three deep breaths mm-hmm. calming that sense of calming um once you're in that calm space and i know you know this now you might be able to articulate how you feel Yes. Um, what you, what your needs are and how you want to move forward or how you want me to help you to move forward. And so I say all that to say our practice is not about thinking purely about the cognitive function of the young person, but also how they're interpreting their experiences somatically mm-hmm. um, and how and teaching them how they can better respond somatically um, before they even think about how to respond cognitively, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I love that. The somatic interpretation of our experiences. Now that's something I'm gonna have to run with. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot. This is, this work is really revolutionary on so many different fronts. I see this lending itself to the work that you're starting to do in the educational system, but then also I could see this trickling over to the legal systems because we know that so often it's it's not even disputable at this point that black and brown youth are disproportionately criminalized a lot of times because of their behavior that is a result of the trauma that they have to live through so how do you see that this knowledge about brain development work neuroscience how does that influence or how could it potentially influence our educational and legal systems and i know that's a huge question so however you want to it's a big work. Yeah. Um, I am familiar with Lawrence Steinberg's work. And I, and for anyone that's interested in, in seeing how um, influencing the legal system, if you just Google Lawrence Steinberg and read any of his work, I think his research has been um, used in four different cases thus far. So in terms of um, thinking about brain development and working with black and brown youth and its impact on social justice for our communities, I just have, you know, one thing to say about it. Brain development happens from the bottom up for all individuals, right? So we have uh, our brainstem um, moving all the way up to uh, the cerebrum. And so that's happening across the line for all of us. And so if we're sitting in a classroom and we're looking at a black child and a white child and they're exhibiting any type of 
maladaptive behavior that the teacher is going to interpret as being disruptive to their class and their response to the white child is empathy, but, and they're not giving that same response to the black child. I have a concern about that because like I just said, both of their brains are developing from the bottom up. Now, if they've been exposed to trauma, we really need to be um, have a different level of empathy for those young people because we have to consider structure and function. Those two things are going to change if the child has experienced trauma, especially repeated trauma, where that child may now become more, um, more sensitive to whatever is happening in their environment because of this repeated exposure to trauma. And so in terms of using this research to help build awareness in our communities. So all educators, uh, whether uh, coming from all different cultures, whether they're black, white, I mean, you shouldn't see the, the behavior as anything else, but just a young person growing and developing, right? There's no need anymore to demonize our young, our youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because that's not who they are. They're human beings whose brains are developing from the bottom up. Bring that into the classroom. And I guarantee you, you should have a more empathetic lens to both individuals, um, whether white or black. And I'll just end there. That is perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. There's a few things that really stick out there for me. The first is awareness and education. So how do we, and this is really just like a rhetorical of me just thinking out loud, but how do we really amplify this work and really amplify and educate how trauma impacts the developing brain. Once the masses really get that, they are aware and educated, then how do we have more empathy for each other and absolutely have empathy for these babies as their brains are not fully developed, but then also empathizing with adults who they may be past the age of 25 when our brains are fully formed but because they have lived through traumatic childhoods, we don't truly know how all of the trauma that they lived through really impacted their developing brain and how it kind of solidified into their adult brain. And I think that is missing so often. I am I'm terrible. Sometimes I get lost in the social media comments, especially when it's stories about young Black children that uh, might have gotten into some type of legal trouble And everybody in the comments will, not everybody, but the majority of the comments will often be like, well, these kids knew what they were doing. They, they a child, but they could do the adult time. And it it is so visceral. It's so vicious. It's so, to your point, demonizing of these young people. And I'm like, but these babies, their brains are not even formed to guarantee they didn't fully think about how their actions the consequences of their actions. They didn't think about the results of what would happen after the fact. Like they didn't think about that. They thought about whatever was in the moment, whatever um, dopamine drip they were trying to to chase or or to satisfy, you know, getting those serotonin hits, whatever it was, that chemical imbalance that their body was trying to, to right set in doing this action. They didn't fully think through you know of their actions right exactly yeah yeah it's it's tough that is so tough um jewel well first let's start with the the first question how do we build um awareness um you know i will start first by saying that we can build awareness one by finding content that we can relate to and i believe the content that i've created is one that's relatable and you've interacted with it 
and digestible and, and fun. And so, you know, I encourage um, everyone to just take a look at some of the animated content, um, www.project48.org. So again, that's P-R-O-J-E-K-T 48.org. And you just get a baseline, you know, introduction to your brain, some basic structures and functions. And then you can, then from there, determine, okay, how much more do I want to learn? But our content is definitely um, very relatable, very digestible, loads of fun. And I believe that with our work, you can then think about how to integrate it into whatever your practice is. You could be a parent, school, um, community-based organization, if you're a yoga practitioner, such as yourself, Mm -hmm. is how you can definitely build awareness. The other thing for me is making sure the the education aspect of it. So for social workers, that they have more content integrated into their training um, when they're going through their BSW and MSW programs. So when they are in the fields practicing, they're able to also build awareness as well around how to become uh, neurotrauma informed. Um, So first it's, you know, visiting Project 48, I hope to one day have an animation contract with Nickelodeon, honestly. Oh my um, goodness, yes. yes. That's the yes. ethos. Nickelodeon and Disney, they should all yes. Um, So I can take Benny and Frankie to the masses. I, I definitely think Benny and Frankie are, are the new Bert and Ernie. <laughs> yes, that would be so dope. Oh um, my goodness, yes, you could have a Sesame Street segment too. Like, come on, we're yeah. not just going to limit you to, to Nickelodeon. Yeah, no, no. So I definitely, well, I it's my vision to see more kids, hear more kids just talk about Frankie and adults as well. Um, and Benny and, and Taya, Ali and Perry, but Frankie's the main star. He's the Beyonce of the group. Like the <laughs> um, where they get to say, well, you know, Frankie, Frankie's, they know that Frankie's, you know, responsible for decision-making and all the critical executive functioning skills. And also that they're aware of Mrs. Limpic as well and how Mrs. Limpic is in a space of development from, you know, early development into the middle of their 20s or early 30s. And so recognizing that and being able to communicate that to adults and say, just give me a little bit more help. You got to be a bit more patient with me. Remember, Mrs. Limpic and Frankie are now connecting. <laughs> um, again, so, you know, building awareness through great animated content providing that training for social workers when they're doing their BSW, MSW programs and educators as well, uh, depending on the programs that they're enrolled in. And then the second piece to your point is once you get that information, it's just now thinking about how to integrate it into your practice. And, you know, I've seen uh, you do it. Um, You have another colleague, uh, Yogi Melvin. He used um, one of our workbooks, I think on Friday. Oh my goodness, yes. Did you see that picture? Yeah, yeah. Those kids were so into it. I loved it. I know it was just a moment in time, but that little snapshot, they really looked like they were into those workbooks and learning all about Benny. I love that. He was using, I think, the coloring book and the coloring book just walks you through the four lobes and who Benny is. Yeah, once you have the content, um, you're now thinking how to integrate it into your practice. You know, with the med- with the yogi practitioners, I love the fact that you're already there with helping them to, to learn the default of breathing and connecting that to thought, mm-hmm. right? And knowing how to shift your mindset, especially when you're having intrusive thoughts. So that that's amazing for me because that's, again, like I mentioned earlier, that's a part of the um, triage practice work 
that we are embedding uh, in schools. But yeah, you know, again, building awareness through the animated content that we have, integrating the content into social work practice. And then once, you know, and then you learning, thinking about it as a practitioner, how do I now integrate this content? So um, I build the best neurotrauma-informed, you know, environment I can for my young people. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. You even dipped into my last question about how you had really planned on amplifying this this purpose work and what your big picture vision is. So yes, I love all of that. I need to see Benny the Brain on Nickelodeon, Disney, Sesame Street on a Netflix special, all of the above. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I definitely see him. Like I said, Benny and Frank here are the new Burton Ernie. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't wait to see them in, in schools all over. Mrs. Limbic is too. Uh, once you see Mrs. Limbic, she's coming later this year. You're going to be like, oh, wow. <laughs> and is it Nick the Neuron? Yeah, Nick the Neuron. Nick the Neuron, um, Mrs. Limbic, um, Amy Amygdala, Harry Hippocampus, a whole slew of characters are coming out later this year. I love it, love it, love it. So that will bring us to the final segment of the podcast. This segment is called Inside the Omi Studio, and it is a brief, rapid-fire, 10-question questionnaire. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with a breath. So whenever you're ready, you can empty all of the air that's currently in your lungs. Okay, thank you. And together we take an inhale. And exhale. And then we begin. Describe your personal style in one word. Um, creative. What's one thing you wish you can change about the world? Have more people know about Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. What brings you joy? Dancing. Okay. What makes you cry? Uh, leaving Barbados. What type of impact do you want to have on this earth? That everyone knows about Benny and Frankie. What's your favorite thing about being Black? Everything. My hair. What do you hope for your community? That we're able to use neuroscience research um, to uplift our communities and our young people. What do you love most about yourself? My hair. What's your favorite book? Black Beauty. And our final question. Name five music artists that would appear on the soundtrack of your life. Nas. Uh, five? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if Nas, you could five. The Sound of Music soundtrack. Um, a Little Salt and Pepper. Some, I'm from Barbados, so some Square One slash Allison Hines. And... I add some crossfire because I love soca. <laughs> okay. So I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of your beautiful big brain knowledge and uh, making this really relatable to our listeners. I plan to share all of the links to your work. Do not worry. People will be able to find Project 48. They'll be able to access your videos, download the workbooks. Please let the people know where can they find you. I know you've given the website address once. Is there anywhere else that people should look for your work other than project48.org, right? Yeah, yeah. No, just project48.org again, P-R-O, 
jekt48.org or info at project48.org. Um, yeah, you can reach out and um, you can learn more about um, how I work with individuals and groups to help them build a neurotrauma-informed environment. Thank you so much again, Natasha. I appreciate you. Likewise, likewise, Jill. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs>